are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Here's what I want you to do this morning as we get started. I want you uh, to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say this phrase with me because one, I need just a little bit of energy in this room today, but one, I just want us to get us in this mindset. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, there is darkness, but hope is coming. Say that with me. There is darkness, but hope is coming. When I was in high school, I remember sitting in the same seats you are sitting in right now. And sitting here, look, listening to a pastor talk about Advent. And in high school, I remember hearing those words and hearing sermons about Advent and preparing for Christmas. But the reality was, when I was in high school, Christmas meant a few things. And that was getting Christmas break off from school and maybe a new cool toy, a new present, some new shoes, maybe a new Xbox. And then when I was in college, I remember sitting in services uh, and hearing a pastor preach on Advent, and it all of a sudden started to take root just a little bit more in my life, because I remember being in college and beginning to realize that I had experienced some loss, that kind of for the first time in my life, uh, grief and some pain and a little bit of pressure had started to be applied to my life when I was in college. Not a lot, but you know some. And so all of a sudden, Advent started to take on a little bit different of a meaning. The reality that darkness and suffering and pain and grief was a real thing started to take root in college. Uh, Fast forward a little bit more when I'm a young adult and I've got uh, a wife and I'm starting to have kids and all of a sudden I'm starting to realize that life is hard. It is really blessed. It's really blessed and it's really rich, but it's also really, really hard. Advent takes a deeper root. I'm beginning to get to the place where I've come to realize that the older I get, the more my life craves an Advent season. The older I get, the more years that pass is the more opportunity for pain and bad decisions and suffering and grief and loss and darkness. And so the older I get, the more I need a reminder of hope. The more I need a reminder that that is not going to be the end of my story, but hope and light is. So we have entered a season of Advent, but I want to take a second and talk about what Advent is. Advent is a season of four weeks where the entire Christian church, all of us across the globe, participates in leading up to the birth of Christ. It's four weeks reminding ourselves that hope is coming. It's that light has and will break into the very dark corners of your life. It's four weeks where we remind ourselves of our humanity. It's four weeks where we begin to come to terms with the reality that life is hard, that life is fragile, that suffering is real, and that darkness is around us. It's the reminder that He is God and we are not. You see, we can't talk about hope until we talk about the darkness and the reason why we need hope. Amen? 
You can't get to the hope without journeying through the hard parts of life, which is the very reason that we need that hope and we need that light. Uh, A couple months ago, Pastor Rick was trying to prepare for an Advent sermon series. And as he was trying to prepare, he was listening to the classic Christmas hymn, O Holy Night. And as he was thinking about this season and praying, he, the, the words of O Holy Night, it struck him. And out of those words, the Lord gave him a sermon series that we're going to be journeying through over the next four weeks. It's a sermon series that it has taken root in our staff. And we believe that as we preach over these next four weeks, as we prepare for Christ's birth on Christmas, we believe that it's going to take root in our congregation, in our church's life. So here's, here's the words, O Holy Night. And I'm not going to sing them for you. You're welcome. I was a tenor too in middle school, so I'm not, I'm not horrible, but we're not going to go there. Listen to these words. O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. I want to pause there for just a second. Till he appears and the soul felt its worth. And here's the words, a thrill of hope, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. I got to tell you this morning that I am preaching from a place of darkness. My wife and I just uh, 10 days ago, we got the, we got a diagnosis that her sweet mammy, Her sweet mammy has cancer. And so my wife, over the last 10 days, has spent most of her waking moments over holding the hand of one of the sweetest, most precious ladies that God has ever gifted me with. And as we are watching them journey through this battle, it is tough for us not to be surrounded with grief and darkness. And I realize that my story is not much different than your story. Sure, it may be a different situation. Maybe you're not sitting there holding the hand of your sweet grandmother, but maybe you've done that before. But your circumstance is different. But you're still weary. When I turn on the news, it's pretty easy for me to say the world is a bit weary. When I look at my own life and when I look at your life and I hear the stories and the prayer requests of some of the things that we as a church body are dealing with, it is very easy for us to look and say, we are weary. Are you weary today? Do you have that overwhelming sense you're just exhausted? You're worn out. You're running on fumes. How are you going to catch a break? Here's the hope. Even in the midst of darkness, God sees you and he hears you and he sends hope. Amen.
It is our, it is the bedrock. It is our foundation of our faith. And hope has come and hope is coming for this weary world. I, I want to read a passage of scripture to you. It's going to be Isaiah chapter 11, starting at verse 1 through verse 10. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through verse 10, but I have to give a little context before I jump into the passage. The context is this. Isaiah is a called prophet of God. Isaiah is a prophet who God has called, and he has said to Isaiah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to tell the nation of Israel and of Judah that they are lost, that they have totally abandoned me that they have turned their backs on me, that they are living out the sin and the shame and the guilt. They are living out the fullness of their separation from me. And I don't know if you know this, but prophets were not a well-known, popular person back in the old Bible days. They get a lot of space and time in our Bibles, but the reality is, is they had a hard job. Can you imagine if every single week someone came into this room as a prophet called by God and their job was to tell you that judgment and wrath was coming to you because of the way in which you live? I don't know if you know this, but that's not a popular person. That's not a fun person to hang around. That's not who you're inviting over for Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? They're not getting a seat at the table. But Isaiah carried this call, and day after day, he would go and he would remind the people of Israel and Judah that he would say, you've turned your back on God, that the judgment of God is coming, and that you've forgotten who you are, and you've forgotten whose you are, and you've forgotten your identity, you've forgotten what God has done, you have forgotten who God is. And right before this passage of Scripture in chapter 10, He describes this scene which eventually gets to this place in a great literary work. He describes this forest of trees. Just a massive forest of tall, live trees. These kingdoms that have built. These trees that have grown and laid down roots. And he says God is going to cut those trees down with an axe to the stump. And then the very next verse, in verse 1 of chapter 11, he says, But, but, a shoot, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. A shoot, a branch will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. This is Isaiah. He's prophesying. He's talking about something that will happen in the future. And he says, and then the wolf will live with the lamb. 
The leopards will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and the little children will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all of the holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Uh, A couple years ago, uh, I was in my office and Pastor Jake came into my office and he said, hey, I want to ask you a question. Um, I'm doing this kind of big hiking trip in a couple months and uh, one of the guys dropped out and uh, me and, and, and Timmy Riggs, Pastor Timmy, we were wondering if, if you wanted to take the spot. And I said, yeah, I'm in. He goes, oh, oh whoa, maybe, <laughs> maybe you should think about it. It's a pretty big trip. Uh, it's going to be five nights uh, in Glacier National Park. So maybe you should, no, I was like, I'm in. He was like, I, uh, have you ever... Like, have you ever backpacked before? I was like, yeah, once in the Wichita Mountains. We did a couple nights. It was, it was crazy. He was like, I, I don't know. He was like, do you like have a backpack? I'm like, yeah, I said I backpacked before. I have a backpack. He was like, all right, if you're in, it's going to be an awesome trip. Glad you can come. So I was like, yeah, I'm in. So the next couple months, I kind of start preparing for this Glacier National Backpacking Trip. I, I begin to realize that, that uh, we were going to be doing 56 miles over five nights in Glacier National Park. 56 miles. I remember being on the plane and we're flying uh, to Montana. And I remember, I remember sitting there in the plane, and, it, and it's me. Well, let me just show you a picture of who was on the trip. This was, this was a picture. So there it is. So that's Jake, that's me, and that's Pastor Timmy. Oh, this is the wrong picture. Go, go to the next one. Next picture. Yeah. Timmy resigned. He no longer gets to be in the stories. <laughs> now, that's what happens. How's that? You get, you're dead to us now, you know? Just kidding. He's my good friend. I'm sitting on the plane with these two, and we're about mid-flight, and all of a sudden, I start to have these thoughts. I don't know why it's just now dawning on me, but I started to realize that, okay, this time tomorrow, I'm going to be in the mountains just walking around. I'm just going to be walking up and in the mountains on a trail. And then I started to think about how heavy my backpack is. And I started to realize that I barely made it through the customs airport. Timmy and Jake, they passed with flying colors. Mine was real heavy. And I started to kind of, started to sit in. And I started to realize, why am I here? Why am I doing that? This is crazy. And I said to Timmy and Jake on the plane, I leaned forward and I said, this, this isn't going to be like a, like a vacation, is it? Jake leaned forward. He goes, no, Chris. It's not going to be a vacation. I said, this is going to be really hard, isn't it? He said, yes, it's going to be one of the hardest things you have ever done. And he wasn't lying. I'll fast forward. On night three, I'm laying in my tent that night, pitch black dark. We can hear a moose 
somewhere around us. I'm scared to death. My legs are cramping so bad. And the next morning, we have a 16-mile hike with two 6,000-foot climbs. And the only thing I wanted to do that night was go home. The next morning, we got up early uh, because Timmy and Jake realized that with Chris on the team, we needed a head start. What was supposed to take this many hours always took a little more. And so we jumped up early, and we're about to do this hike, and I'm mentally trying to prepare myself because I know right off the bat it's a six- to seven-mile hike to one of the most beautiful places in Glacier National Park called 50 Mountain. And if you can make it to 50 Mountain, you will stand in the middle of a valley where it is just this grassy plain with these small rolling hills. And if you can make it there, you can stand in the middle and in a 360 degree, you can see 50 mountain peaks. You could start in one place and you could count them all the way around 360 degrees to see 50 mountain peaks from one spot. The problem is you got to get there. And we started our day and we're hiking up this mountain. And with every step I take, a piece of my soul is dying. My calf is starting to cramp. My shoulder is starting to hurt so bad. I'm so tired with every step. Jake is doing what he always does. I don't know if he thinks he's a trailblazer or making it easier for me, but he was crushing my spirit. He does like a master stair-step power climb for about 200 yards, and then he stops and looks at the beauty. Timmy's behind me, hiking behind me. He's talking my ear off, trying to keep me motivated. And with every step I take, I'm dying a little bit more. And I'm getting to this place where I realize that I am not going to make it. I, I started to truly think to myself in my mind, like, how does this work? Is this one, like, if I break my leg, does somehow somebody's going to know that and they're just going to come get me? Like, I've seen the shows, you know, I'll have to stay here a while, but they'll come get me. I get to this place on a switchback, and I can't take another step. And everything in me breaks, and I just sit down on this corner, and Timmy's like, oh, oh no. Jake kind of pauses up ahead. He looks back. He's like, oh, no. And I unclip my bag, and I'm done. I mean, I'm done. Timmy looks at me awkwardly because tears are filling up in my eyes. Little tears are running down my cheeks. And he's going, oh my gosh, this is a grown man crying. And I can't do it. Everything in me, I just want to go home. Truly, I was miserable. A few minutes of sitting there on the trail, all of a sudden we started to hear uh, some voices, which we were way back. We only saw about 20 people total on this entire hiking trip. And all of a sudden, we start to hear these voices coming up the trail, and they're singing, and, and, and they get close, and, and it's two lady hikers, and they kind of begin to pass, and they're like, hey, guys. And Timmy's like, hi, and Jake's like, hey, and I didn't say a word. And she goes, what's wrong with him? And Jake's like, well, he's, he's not doing good. He's not doing good. He'll be all right. He's not doing good right now. We just need a minute. They go, okay, and they're chipper as can be, just excited as, I mean, just loving life. And they go, okay, well, then we'll just take a break with you guys. I'm like, no, <laughs> just keep going. She sits down, and I'll never forget this moment. She, she takes off like a mosquito net thing, and I remember kind of looking up, and, and I realized that she had been bitten by mosquitoes and had an allergic reaction to them, and her face was completely swollen shut. 
And I remember looking. It was one of those moments where, like, you don't want to look, but you want to look, you know, because you're like, well, that's, wow, at least I don't have swollen face. And she says to us, she goes, do any of you guys have a Benadryl pill? And Jake's like, no, I'm sorry, I don't. Timmy's like, no, I don't have a Benadryl pill. I do have one. I'm like, oh, everything in me wanted to say no. I said, I do. And it was at the bottom of my pack. And exhausted, I take everything out of my backpack, the tent, the pole, the whole bit. And I get this little tiny Benadryl pill. And I'm like, boop, in her hand. And she goes, are you sure you're okay? I said, I'm not. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I want to go home. She goes, you know what you need? You need a fruit roll-up. It's a true story. I'm not making it up. You need a fruit roll-up. And I said, no, no, it's okay. Like, it's all right. Don't, I don't need a fruit roll-up, you know? And she's like, no, you really do. You need a fruit roll-up. And Jake's like, he needs a fruit roll-up. He, he, yeah, give him the fruit roll-up. And so I'm like, fine, I'll eat the fruit roll-up. So I take the fruit roll-up, and I, I unroll it. And I take my first bite of that thing, and I kid you not, the endorphins that released in my brain when I ate that fruit roll-up, it was like someone lit a light. Someone turned on a switch in my heart. It reminded me I was five years old again, playing on a hot summer day. My little big bone chubby body came to life with the taste of that fruit roll-up. I am not joking you. Within a few minutes... It was as if I was motivated again, like I had energy. I began to realize that if I ever want to eat another fruit roll-up, i got to get to the end of this thing. And after a few minutes, I put on the pack, and we started hiking again. And I wish I could tell you that fruit roll-up carried me to 50 Mountain. It did not. Within about 100 yards, I was in pretty much the same place I was before. But you know what? We made it to 50 Mountain. And I remember getting onto that grassy plain and steading down and taking my pack off and standing in one of the most beautiful places my eyes have ever seen. It is possible, because I'm never going back, trust me. It is possible that my eyes will never see beauty like I saw in that moment. And I stood there for a while just taking in the fact that, one, I was still alive, but two, I was seeing the glory of God. You see, that's what Advent's kind of like. That's what life is kind of like. Life is this really difficult, hard trudge of, of a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of darkness and very, very difficult moments. And yet you and I also know that life has those short moments where life is also really good. You capture just a glimpse of it for a moment, and it's kind of what you tend to hold on to. It's the things that get you through and this is what the prophet Isaiah is saying to the people of Israel and of Judah. He's saying, look, you've totally forgotten. You've totally separated yourself from the God who loves you, from the God who delivered you. You've completely lost your way. You are living out in utter darkness and misery and sin and shame, and you're totally lost. And it shouldn't be too difficult for you and I 
to get to a place where we can have some empathy and remember, if you're not in that place, a time you have been where you do feel like you're in exile. Where you do feel like darkness is all around you. Where you do feel like, I once was a tree. I once was a full tree, full of life, full of hope. And now I've been cut down, and I feel like a stump. I mean, I feel like just a stump. It's the moment when you lay down to go to sleep, but you can't catch your breath. It's the realization that grief has completely surrounded you. It's when life is so overwhelming that you pull into your driveway and you just sit in the driveway wondering if you have the energy to go inside. I know you've been in that place. You're burning the candle at both ends and you get home the place where it should be rest, but you know on the inside is more work. It's the pressure of whether you're going to make it financially or if you're going to measure up to the many different expectations that are on you. It's the constant reminder that life just didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. It's the feeling of when your eyes are open, but the world still seems dark. Your eyes are open, you're alive, but it just seems dark. It's the season where it doesn't matter how much sleep you get. Rest never comes. It just never shows up. It's the feeling of defeat when you just throw in the towel and you give up. Here's the beauty of Advent. Here's the beauty of why we spend time focusing on the person of Jesus coming and recognizing our humanity, that darkness is in our life. Because here's the deal. The beauty of Advent is that God does something about it and he sends his son. And in the sending of his son, Jesus, God hears you and he sees you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God hears you and he sees you. My wife and I have this thing. We watched a TV show where one of the husbands said this to his wife, and, and Hannah will do this where when she really needs me to listen and really needs me to hear her, after she says it to me, I will say, I hear you and I see you. And she knows that I got it. It is message received. God hears you and he sees you and he knows what you're going through. And he does something about it. He sends hope. You see, the prophet Isaiah doesn't just come to deliver judgment and wrath. He comes for something so much more. Judgment and wrath is just the first part. But the hope is where he stopped. The hope is where he says, I've got good news to deliver. I'm going to deliver you the gospel. He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. What is a shoot? It's a tiny branch that just gets sprouted out of a stump. And what he's saying in this, he's prophesying about the coming Messiah. The shoot from the stump of Jesse is Jesus. Years and years before, he's saying, God has told me that a shoot will come up from this dead stump. What once looks dead is actually still alive, and the person of Jesus is going to sprout from it. 
it's going to bear fruit. I love that the prophet Isaiah also says and calls it the stump of Jesse because here's what you should know. Jesse is King David's father. Yeah, King David, the famous king, the one who wrote almost all the Psalms, the the, the one who is the man after God's own heart, the one who takes up a large portion of Old Testament scripture, the one you and I hear messages and passages about. Jesse is King David's father. You see, Isaiah could have easily said in this passage, and it would have meant a whole lot more to the listeners of the day if Isaiah would have said, here's the thing, a shoot, Jesus is going to come from the lineage of King David. That would have had more influence, it would have carried more weight, but what Isaiah is trying to communicate is that, no, 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 God was working before King David, and God is going to work after King David. God is working far before, and so a shoot's going to come up from the stump of Jesse, his father, which is going to be a symbol for the lineage of Jesus that has come from the very creation of time and people. You see, God is always at work, reaching and working far beyond what you and I can even see or imagine. He's working far beyond the darkness that blinds us right in front of our face, the pain that is in front of our face. He's saying Jesus is coming, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to be on this Messiah. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might and knowledge And fear of the Lord. And this Messiah is going to delight in the presence of his Father. So what do we do? What do we do now? Because I have a feeling that some of you are in this place and you're going, I I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor. I I do. I I hear what you're saying. Not only do I hear what you're saying, I, I believe what you're saying. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that that light has come into the darkness, and, and I believe that God sits with us in our darkness and our pain, and I know that to be true. But I still have it. And I still sit here and I wonder, when am I going to catch a break? When hope going to break into my life? When is my circumstance going to change? When When is that going to not be the case? The story of Elijah in 2 Kings, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, it says this, Elijah was in trouble. He was in a lot of trouble. People were trying to kill him, and he desperately needed to hear from God. And so he shouts out to God, Lord, basically, where are you? And the Lord tells him, I want you to go stand on top of this mountain, and you wait for the Lord to pass you by. Go stand on this mountain, and the Lord is going to pass by. And so Elijah goes to the top of the mountain and he stands there. And and next thing you know, it says that this mighty wind, it shook the whole mountain and it shattered rocks before Elijah. But the Lord wasn't in it. The Lord wasn't in the wind. And so he waits and, and next thing you know, an earthquake comes and it shakes the whole earth beneath Elijah's feet. 
But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then it said a mighty fire began to burn. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. The Lord passed Elijah by in a still, small whisper. The Lord passed by Elijah in a still, small whisper. I picked up a book that I had read before called Hope in the Dark by Craig Groeschel. I picked it up just a couple weeks ago and I started reading it because of the circumstance that we were in. I had to remind myself. I had to remind myself that there's a God who sees me and hears me. And I'm reading through that book again. And a line stuck out to me. It said this. It said, sometimes, sometimes pain yells. Sometimes pain yells while hope whispers. Sometimes anxiety yells while hope whispers. Sometimes grief yells while hope whispers. Sometimes darkness yells while hope whispers. Sometimes exhaustion yells while hope whispers. You see, hope is a tiny shoot from the tree stump. Hope breaks into the world as a helpless, dependent baby. Hope rides in on a donkey. Hope gets crucified on a cross. Hope descends to hell. And hope conquers death. And hope gets the final word. Hope is what is drawing and guiding you and I through the darkness of life. Like a light flickering in the darkness. Jesus is there. He is there. And He is drawing. And He is guiding you. My five-year-old daughter, Ellie, we were laying down the other night doing bedtime. And she took her little five-year-old hand and she put it on my cheek. And she said, Dad, I know. She said, Dad, I know that you and Mom are sad about Mammy. But you shouldn't be sad. Because if Mammy goes to heaven, she's going to get to see Grandpa. And if Mammy goes to heaven, she's going to get to see Mommy's mom. You see, my five-year-old has no theological education. But what she was describing is that in the midst of darkness, hope shows up. Death and destruction and darkness, if you're a follower of Jesus today, will never be the end of your story. I mean, you've got to believe that. It will never be the end of your story. It never Pain will never be the end of your story. Grief will never be the end of your story. Suffering will never be the end of your story. The end of our story, if we are followers of Jesus, will always be hope of eternal life. That's it. That's our story. 
And so this season of Advent, we're going to light a candle every week. This is an Advent wreath. And that lighting of this candle is going to be a symbol for us that as we move through the darkness, we're going to experience hope. We're going to experience peace. We're going to experience joy. We're going to experience love. And we are going to experience Christ. And as we light a candle, it is a reminder to us that there is hope in the darkness. Father, be with us as we respond. Lead us in prayer. Speak to our hearts. Remind us of our humanity. Remind us of our suffering, but also remind us that you do something about it. And you hear us and you see us. Let's listen to this song. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.